0: Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry.
1: Hello, everybody. It's the Upworthy Weekly Podcast, and I'm Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. She's the host of the super popular podcast, Alison Rosen, is your new best friend and childish with her co-host comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. On this week's show, we're going to... Hello! Oh, no! We're already out of sync! Dang!
2: What are we going to do, Todd?
1: I was just going to become out of sync the moment you said something rude to me or disparaging uh, and wait for that moment to come out of sync, but it looks like it's already, it's already happened.
2: I know, we're pre-out of sync. Okay, let's put all of our effort into getting back into sync for a moment, and then I'll say something rude and we can get back out of sync. Okay, I'm going to be quiet. Take it away.
1: On this week's show. We're going to go over some of the most popular and engaging stories from the week of September 19th to 23rd, 2022.
2: Allison, how are you doing today? I'm fine. However, as discussed at length before we started, I am wearing a distressed lavender hoodie. My husband hates this hoodie. It is his least favorite. It's That's part, of, as you know from working with me, For as long as we've been working together, it is in my personality. The fact that he hates... Look, I loved it way before he started hating it, but the fact that he hates it makes it so I have to wear it more often. And anyway, though, uh, I feel a little bit like maybe I shouldn't be wearing it on the show for various reasons. So if anyone would like to come get an eyeful of the hoodie that I'm at odds with... Head on over to Facebook. I think it's just facebook.com slash Upworthy, right? That's the Facebook page. And come take yes, a is. look at the hoodie That's that might ruin, it might get us off the rails, it might derail us. See, yeah, I'm not sure whether it's
1: old and distressed. Like you bought it with a distressed right. look and then it got old. So there's like natural distress going yeah. on with the manufactured
2: distress happening. Mm-hmm. That's why he hates it. That's what he said he's like you got to throw that out. I'm painting quite a picture. He said you got to throw that out because to him it's like I'm clinging on to a threadbare garment. It I purchased it this way. It came this way. It is a hip distressed garment. Now, to be fair, it's no longer very new. So maybe it has some natural stress as well. But the reason I'm feeling uncomfortable is that Upworthy Weekly is an important part of my life, Todd. You're an important person in my life. It's all very important. And I just don't want someone to think that because I'm wearing what looks like an old, weather-beaten... Like, I'm essentially wearing, like, a dirty sock to do a show. (laughs) I don't want someone to think, oh, that's how much she cares about this? She just, like, threw on a napkin to do a show no i threw on my favorite old dirty napkin would you like to hear some great news
1: well well my my <laughs> thought <laughs> if i can give my two cents on this please uh, please as the producer of upworthy weekly yes you know and normally i find it odd for a man to have an opinions on women's garments Much as I find it uncomfortable hearing that your husband has such an opinion on the clothes you wear,
2: thank you very much. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That
1: makes me uncomfortable. Like I,
2: I I barely ever
1: buy my buy my wife clothing because I just Mm -hmm. know I'm not going to get it right. It's just not going to happen.
2: Yeah. So early on, he bought me jewelry a few times, and I was like, I appreciate it, but you don't, you didn't nail it,
1: sweetheart. Yeah. It's like I almost had to say, you know what? No more flowers for you, to my wife, because mm. she's so picky about flowers yes. that it's like that I always mess up. So at a certain point, it's like, okay, I, I've tried my best. If after the ninth time, I didn't <laughs> get the, the right color of peony, then I'm sorry. Oh, you got sorry. peonies,
2: though? I was envisioning I like carnations or something, which, <clears throat> no good.
1: Once you know, she turns 80, then I'll go with the carnations, but- <laughs> here's the problem with the peony
2: they're floppy uh,
1: well yeah and the problem they're not in bloom Mm-mm. during my wife's birthday but it's her favorite flower
2: oh my god that is a trap yes that's a trap
1: you know that's when uh men have this feeling that sometimes women get a- get together around a cauldron you know, and, and they sit and they come up with devious things in order to make us crazy. I think that was one of them that my wife was right. like, what's really going to be a major put out for him? That means mm. he has to go to 19 different Trader Joe's on the way home from work and they go,
2: they don't have them. I don't know. Well, but points for effort. I mean, I'm impressed at your knowledge yeah. of blooms, Todd. I don't, there- I don't possess that.
1: Well, when you've failed 15 times, you get a knowledge of yeah. blooms. This is not no. like...
2: <laughs> it's a hard not... one. <laughs> I'm not so studying two... peonies
1: on my time off is what I'm saying.
2: Right. What's your What's your two cents on the, the weathered hoodie? I think you just got to
1: spin it. Uh, I don't think you owned the explanation enough. I'm fine with the clothing. But you should okay. have said, this is my podcasting hoodie.
2: Oh, that's good. Yeah.
1: Like, it just makes you feel so comfortable. And then also, it puts others at ease. Because, so, you know, if mm. you were done up, you know, like a character on Dynasty, and you were sitting there, <laughs> look like Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. then oh, I would be like, uncomfortable her... speaking with you.
2: Right. Wasn't her name like Alexis Carrington? Yeah. I mean, if we're going to yeah. make a Dynasty reference, let's go all the way. What was her? I... So, Jackie Collins, Alexis Carrington. Yeah. Right. I'm not the queen. Oh, is it too is that too soon to say I'm not the queen of England?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Okay.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm not royalty here. I don't want you to feel like you have to, you know, bow to me. Oh. Even though you call yourself the king of good news.
1: I am. Um and I would say this, it's it's as a podcasting outfit, again, it puts people at ease. You know, and you just got to get out in front of me. You go Look, I may look like I'm taking a run down to Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. <laughs> and I'm hung over. But this is what puts people at ease. So I'm just going to run with it. And the proof's in the pudding. Was the show good? Was the show not good?
2: Well, we don't... That remains to be seen. But look at my face. I mean, I have spackled. I have... Th- my face says, I take this seriously.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But my body yeah. says... No you don't That's the problem As the He's king really of good drawn... news Yes go I,
1: ahead I would like to de- declare it time for good news Is there like a <laughs> I know I need that to forth hence It is time For the reading Of the good news Hear ye Thank you British things.
2: British things. (laughs) All right. All right, so a viral post, a post that went viral on Twitter. Once again, when we talk about social media, we tend to focus on the ones that go viral. We don't focus that much on the ones where, like, just a couple people liked them. Uh, A post that went viral on Twitter uh, by a West Coaster named Jordan Green talked about uh, how... He said East East Coast folks are better people, even if they aren't as nice as those out West. Uh, So he kicked off a thread that went viral when he made an observation that East Coasters are kind and West Coasters are nice. Now, um, this is like defined as niceness is saying... I'm sorry you're cold. Whereas kindness is giving someone a sweater. So niceness is sympathy or empathy. Kindness is stepping in and taking action. And East Coasters evidently knew exactly what a lot of people chimed in. They had their own observations as well. And East Coasters typically knew what he meant and agreed, and West Coasters got defensive. Uh, mm-hmm. And then other, you know, regional. People from different regions chimed in as well. There's a whole thing called like Minnesota niceness. So, uh, and then there were a lot of different theories, like maybe part of the reason that this sort of quote unquote niceness or hands off thing you see out West is happening is because there's like a frontier spirit, like aforementioned husband who, what's he doing having an opinion on my hoodie? Uh, He grew up in Arizona and he often talks about how Arizona is where people go who just want to be left alone. Like they just want to do their own, not everyone, but you know, if you just want to like do your own thing, Arizona is a great place for that. It's very hands off. Um, So yeah, what do you think?
1: Uh, Looking at this, it it gave me this feeling when they, that East Coast people tend to, to me come off as very gruff.
2: Mm -hmm. There's like a brusqueness.
1: yeah, and okay, Allison, actually, I want to go to you first on this. I'm sorry right. to ping pong it right back at you. Mm, um, right. Sorry, the being rubber and your glue and whatnot. But mm-hmm. you've lived both places. I heard
2: one time you mention They don't want to talk about it, but yes, I did live in New York, yes. Okay, so you
1: grew mm. up in uh, the greater Los Angeles area, have lived in New York. So you've actually, you've seen this both ways. Now, are, are East Coast people really
2: kinder? There is a frostiness, I would say. A, a, you know, it's there's like a weird frosty aloofness to West Coast, which is almost counter. I think intuitive to what some of this is saying, but I Mm. do think people, I, I think there is, it, it, it it feels like people are more, I mean, these are broad generalities, but I think that it feels like people are maybe a little more genuine on the East coast. Like they're maybe a little more rude. They're less, there's like a less of a phony niceness, But it's a more real thing. Like there was someone gave an example and I experienced this where like you can be struggling with a stroller on the stairs of the subway and someone will come along, help you lift it, but not even like talk to you. And that happened with me. I went through a brief bike riding phase and I was trying to get my bike on the subway and I all of a sudden realized like I cannot handle this. And strangers totally helped me the entire way. You know, I didn't even have to do it alone. Another time I got stuck in a snowbank. Long story. Someone help me out. Like, because you're, it's not a car culture. I mean, some people have cars, but if you're living in the city, it's not a car culture. Like, you are living among people. Your 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 people skills just have to be much better in the city because you're among people all the time.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so, I don't know. I really like the people of New York. I really like living in New York. Um I don't know. Whereas out here, yeah, there is more of a sort of a, a phony niceness. Maybe that's that's the that's the charge. That's the allegation. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'm just saying cuz I've I've been there. I've visited mm-hmm. New York. I've visited the East Coast a bit. Uh spent a lot of time in Connecticut, but I mostly have just been, you know, a guy from the LA area. So I right. I, I don't I don't quite know it. But what happens is the gruffness of the East Coast people comes off to me as being rude and makes me uncomfortable. Right. right? Like, the idea of two people yelling at each other on a street, it's, like, shocking to me and upsetting, right? Like, I remember I I used to work with two guys that were both New Yorkers, and everybody else at the radio station was, like, guys who were, you know, LA people or whatever. And they got... They get, had a disagreement, and they just started screaming at each other in the hallway, <laughs> right? I, you just, you just, blah, 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 pizza, whatever, whatever East Coast people say. And they were yelling <laughs> at each other, rats, pizza, nor'easter, mm-hmm. you know, they are just yeah. giving it, giving it, right. Michael straight Yankees, They're, Mets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, they are just, yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, they were just giving it to each other, and, um, I thought, oh man, this is not cool, especially because it was by my desk. And then my buddy goes, "No, they're
2: New Yorkers. They're just saying hello. This is just what this is, they." <laughs> but they- I don't. Yes, that is a stereotype. I didn't see that all the time. Like that's not how everyone in New York is. Oh, like a hey, taxi, like that. You know, it's not always yeah. like that. I never learned how to do the whistle. You know, where you put two fingers in your mouth. I wish I could oh. do that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, I do know how to read a taxi symbol, though. A lot of people don't. I don't even know how much you need that anymore, though, with Uber. I was there pre-Uber. Would have changed the whole thing. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. There's also, uh, this came up in the thread, a sense of urgency on the East Coast that is really lacking out here. I did notice that, uh, you know, when people are in a line there, they say online. I Because I am mm. a true West Coaster, I always say in line. I I found myself getting very frustrated by the lack of like people let's keep the line moving anywhere other than New York. Uh and then apparently this replicates itself east coast west coast of Canada as well. I could not independently confirm that, but hmm. that's what the that's what uh the Upworthy Weekly story says. Not the Upworthy Weekly story, the Upworthy story says. We yes. are Upworthy Weekly. Yeah.
1: I found that this kind of chill Kind of West Coast way of being is kind of reflective in language. Like there's the old joke that in California, no, yeah, means yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, right. means no.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: no, for sure, means definitely. Right, right. Right. But it's like if we say no, we have to say, we have to couch it with a yes, no.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I That's hear you. That's so true. I do that all the time.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you know, really. <laughs> Know. You know, so it, once you fall into it, you know, yeah. but I remember I went to see some relatives that were living uh, in on Long, Long Island, New York, <laughs> and once I got through all their hair and the, the nails and everything, but they, they told pads. me that I sounded like Polly Shore when I talk.
2: Oh my. I was like, really? Am I that LA sounding? You know, I thought that there was... I thought that people from California had no accent. And I went to college in Claremont. I went to Pomona College in Claremont, California. So it was in California. And that's the first time I... But a lot of people from that college are not from California. And that's the first time I ever heard that I had a California accent. And I think to them I sounded like a valley girl. Which maybe I do. Or maybe I did.
1: Uh, Somebody else said, and maybe this plays into it, that uh, L.A. is the only place on earth where... I uh, I flaked, is a legitimate excuse. <laughs> That's true. Like, oh, I just totally flaked. <laughs> oh, right on. All right, cool. You, you flaked. I mean, yeah. totally upworthy fine. weekly. <laughs> Nurse turns inappropriate things men say in the delivery room into quote inspirational art. Amazing. Uh, After working six years as a labor and delivery nurse, Holly, who's 30 years old, no last name, she's going to protect herself, has heard a lot of inappropriate remarks made by men while their partners are in labor. Some of the comments are so wrong that she did something creative with them by turning them into, quote, inspirational quotes and setting them to a thousand miles by Vanessa Carlton on TikTok. (laughs) So everybody knows those inspirational, you know. Yeah. uh, posters where it has like a basketball hoop and it says you miss every shot you don't take
2: mm-hmm. you know? right i mean i think the original one which was in every classroom that i was in as a young person was a cat and it said hang mm-hmm. in a kitten hang in there uh
1: so th- this woman is a- a- again instead of lambasting the men that are saying these terrible things which she can't because she's a professional she expressed mm-hmm. them in this unique way and so here are some of the worst things you guys ready for this? Here are some of the worst things that uh, Holly has heard. I think you should just get a C-section. This is taking too long. I, I like that take. And it's just like, you know, you can order up a C-section in a moment. Right. Like, okay, get the yeah. scissors, get the mm-hmm. get the cooking shears, mm-hmm. you know
2: and yet and yet sometimes that is said by a medical professional, but not by the not by the the, the husband
1: no or with a boyfriend right. you know right uh yeah. and also as a as a male you may not want to order up the c section because my wife mm-hmm. had one and oh. um and it reminded me of the movie saving Private Ryan. <laughs>
2: Did you get like, you to know, see all the organs?
1: Yes, I did. They didn't tell me not to oh. look.
2: Oh boy. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> it was like they went like they they, they yanked the kid out. Mm. And then they said hold the kid, which was frightening, because I had mm. like one hour's sleep and I was drinking the night before. And, That's smart. Uh, yeah. I well I didn't know. Right, it was, it was not an emergency C section. Yeah, 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 it was an not emergency. Planned. I was I was drinking cheap beer watching a Twisted Sister documentary. I had no idea what was happening the next day. And so, you know, they give me the baby, and I walk around, I look, and it's like, I, I feel like they removed half of my wife's organs and set them on a plate next to her. Did yeah, they
2: do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like,
1: I, like, I want to be intimate with my wife. That crossed the line, you know? It's
2: like... <laughs> I know. It's scary.
1: Honey, I've seen your liver. Like, you know. Mm.
2: Yeah. And I've never seen all that. I didn't have one. I've not been near. But that's what I hear it's like.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Little warning would have been nice. Uh... <laughs> How long is this going to take? I have plans this weekend.
2: Oh, my goodness. That's upsetting and uh, and amazing. <gasps>
1: Come on. Again, <laughs> if that's your deal, I really don't think you have the wherewithal to be a parent.
2: No. That is wow. Wow.
1: Ne- next point is, and I'm not I'm not blaming the the person giving birth, but people don't just start off being that obnoxious. Like you knew mm. Everybody knew right. who this person was before that moment. You know, that that doesn't just come out of thin air. I'm not blaming the person for being with somebody awful, but um, it's probably not shocking.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows what the circumstances are, but good luck.
1: Are you sure you want an epidural? My mom didn't have one. Before you oh. make a decision, we should talk about it.
2: Oh, does that person want – they they chose violence. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's such a bad idea. That's such a bad idea to say that. Unless that was like the woman wanted to be reminded that maybe she – you know what I mean? Like some people go in and they're like, I want to have an unmedicated birth. But it doesn't sound like, ah, sorry. That's a, having a reaction to that. Bad idea, bad idea.
1: Yeah, but the – my mother. My mother.
2: Yeah. Mother. No, no, no. I hate this person. Yeah. These are amazing.
1: Yeah. So an extra stitch down there for me, Doc. We want ah! everything just the way it was before all of this.
2: Ew. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Ugh. Ugh. But you know, I, I feel like in like the 1950s, this was, this is what people said, and everybody was fine with it, right? Yeah, I, I, they I, call I, it
2: the, the husband stitch. I, I don't um, even know if that's a real thing or like an urban myth, but barf. Oh,
1: that's actually the grossest thing in needlepoint. The husband stitch. <laughs> uh, you know, the video was so successful, it got over 10 million views. That wow. she did. De- she decided to go a little. A little further. And, and do she's going to quit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right.
2: yes. She's going to qu- quit. Quit being a labor and delivery
1: nurse. Okay. Uh, and, uh, okay. We're going to do the drum roll just because, you know.
2: Please, yeah. Oh, rim shot. Oh, wrong
1: one. Okay. Still knew it. Wake me up when the baby gets here. I'm tired. Rolls over puts cover over cover over head and slept through the birth of his baby.
2: No. Why didn't someone wake him up?
1: Yeah.
2: What a ding dong. Mm. Oh boy.
1: Can you move to the birthing ball so I can sleep in the bed?
2: Sorry, I just banged on the table. These are incredible.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is... Uh, okay, there's 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 two more. There's two more. And um, I'm going to save the worst for last. Unlike... You wouldn't save the best. Was it uh, Cole? Nat King Cole's daughter? Natalie Cole? Oh,
2: I saw her play. I saw her live, and she was fantastic.
1: Oh. Mm-hmm. Did she end with Save the Best for Last? Because I feel like you can't open with Save the Best for Last. I,
2: I can't remember because I was in high school, I think. But I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Could you call me when you're about to
1: have the baby? I'm going to go with, name redacted, to the bar and watch the game.
2: Oh, my goodness. I this is this is how is this upworthy? This is sad worthy. But it's but we're laughing about it. And she yeah. made humor out of it that is relatable and probably puts a smile on people's face and makes them feel less alone that their partner is a total doofus.
1: Yeah, I I put it out there. I I wrote up this article and I put it out there that it was by by exposing these men. She she let it be known that this kind of stuff would not be tolerated. Like here's what. <clears throat> I
2: think hey that's guys, right. here
1: here's what not to do in the delivery mm-hmm. room. Okay. Can I give you right. a
2: small? Oh, so oh, oh, we have more.
1: We have the last one. Okay. Do you guys do DNA tests here? Uh, my mom wants me to get one before we leave. Oh,
2: I'm speechless! Oh my goodness, these are too good.
1: I know. Wow! A- I want to give this story to my wife, just because it's kind of like you know, every time when yeah. my one of it my wife's friend, yeah, yeah, one of my wife's friends is having trouble with a husband or something, and my wife hangs out with them, and then later she comes home and she's like, yeah,
2: you know, you're
1: not that bad.
2: <laughs> can we talk about relationship stuff for one second
1: oh us okay
2: you know we uh, yeah. never
1: usually anything we talk about on this show.
2: <laughs> I know Do you, how like how devastating to you is it when your wife is upset with you
1: it is very upset I don't like it when my wife is upset with me because okay. you know especially if well you know if I did something wrong and she's upset then it's very upsetting to me Uh, Mm -hmm. because i brought it on myself and and i'm a naturally guilty person uh Mm -hmm. and if if she's upset with me and i don't think she should be like last weekend um Mm. then then i get i get mad but then i still feel bad that she's upset even if i think she's in the wrong uh, i still feel bad about it so but that could just be me how about you
2: well, Daniel and I were talking yesterday and he was saying that it's like so incredibly upsetting to him or devastating to him when he feels like he's upset me. Almost. It's almost like he has PTSD about it. Like in the sense I was getting is like it's just like I mean, I think I just used the word devastating. Like it's just devastating to him to feel that he has disappointed me or upset me out of proportion to what it really is but and then he's like but I know that that's like not fair to you because you know then it like creates a situation where I feel like I can't bring things up to him I don't know it's interesting because like obviously I think for a relationship to be healthy and to work people need to be able to bring things up and you need to be able to hear it and not have a big reaction to it. And yet I know that like when you love someone you don't want to bother them. So I just was sort of wanted to compare notes and find out like how you know mm. how awful is it to find out that your wife is you know peeved or upset or annoyed or whatever.
1: Yes, it is bothersome. And I've been just recently thinking that I need to man up sorry say man up i'm gonna get another review todd perry stuck in the 50s no but i need to go you know what don't be so sensitive to myself about those things mm. like at a certain yeah. point get a thicker I'm beating, skin yeah i get a little thicker skin you know mm-hmm. we're in it for the long run we got a kid we got a mortgage you know right <laughs> right don't beat yourself up so much you know <sighs>
2: Well, it's interesting, yeah, because then it makes me go, like, do I need to somehow handle these situations differently? I don't know. Man, it is it is thorny, these interpersonal situations.
1: Yeah, especially when it's a marriage and there's so much stuff on the line. Because there's nothing yeah. worse with, you're mad at each other, and then you're not talking. Um, right. And then there's just, like, a tension in the house, and mm-hmm. you just want to get over it. And uh, and it's just it just ruins and
2: everything. And it's always small stuff too. It's never like, it's never big things, but it's small things. And it's like, but because I told you something and you didn't hear, you didn't hear me, and I feel like you never are, ear. Ah, you're not listening, and that frustrates me. I feel, you know what? Anyway, we have more stories. <laughs>
1: Well, I I wanted to add one one delivery room story. Um, Yes. Yeah, and you know, sometimes the fights over little things. Like, oh, yeah, the football game went into overtime. No, I can't just stop Mm -hmm. now that I'm already invested. It's like the third act of the movie and going, well, we've been at this movie for two hours. Might as well leave, you know. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the fight I had with my wife last week. Okay. (sighs) <sighs> okay. So, <laughs>
2: oh, oh, it does. <laughs> Sorry, it was so slow. It took me a while to realize that did. It did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they lost. <clears throat>
1: anyway, but so um very good friend. And and I love my wife. She's the best. Uh a good friend of my wife's and I is a doctor in the UK, and she for a while was in, in the baby birthing department of the hospital. And she goes a very, as she would say, posh couple came in, and the couple happened to be uh, Caucasian. Came in, and the woman gave birth, and the baby did not come out Caucasian-looking. Hmm. And she said, the moment the baby came out, the wife gathered herself, like she was prepared for this moment, like the right. stress of childbirth, and then the stress of, let's hope it's his, right? Yeah. Came out, mm-hmm. she Surprise. said. Immediately, she said, it was only once.
2: <laughs> uh, that's funny.
1: Now, if I was her, well, first of all, it would be impossible not to laugh. And then yeah. I would just like have to, like, okay, you guys get a moment here. You know, I, I, I got to <laughs> go. Me... I know.
2: I'm going to step out for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm.
0: Oof. Upworthy Weekly. Need
2: it. Need an update on that one. Mm-hmm.
0: Hi, I'm Bobby Miller, and I want to be your new best friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Join me every week on my show, The Afternoon Special, where I'll be taking deep dives into everything in pop culture that you never knew to ask about, but now need the answer to. This season, we'll be discussing the best moments in late night TV, how the network comedy was saved the insanity that was Y2K, and much, much more. Each episode is sure to make you think, sometimes make you laugh, and maybe even make you cry. Follow the afternoon special right now, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Uh, So here is a story that I personally love and relate to. A little girl had an adorable meltdown to football, and this is every anti-sports person everywhere. Uh, This went viral on TikTok a father who is super into sports was hoping to raise a little sports fan uh, her name is Mara and there's uh I believe we have the audio right of her just not being thrilled that the father is going to be watching more football let's hear it you don't like football no what do you want to watch no, PJ masks? Um, yeah. Uh, Not football? Not football. No football. Well, Daddy's watching football. I don't want football. How cute is that? She wants to watch PJ Masks. That is something that my kids were also into. So yeah, I get it. I think I've felt similarly. Um so As it turns out, uh, a recent study revealed that only 15% of Gen Z consider themselves avid sports fans, uh, whereas the upper 20% of millennials... um, Excuse me, someone is having trouble reading. I'm going to blame it on my sartorial choice. It must be distracting me. Uh, A recent study revealed that only 15% of Gen Z consider themselves avid sports fans compared to the upper 20% of millennials, Gen Xers and baby boomers. Uh, So yeah, the number of people who are avid sports fans are going down. Uh, and there's questions about like, why is that? Is that, you know, a, a reduction in attention span? Is it that there's just more to look at? I mean, I have my own theories a little bit. I think that I, I think that, I think there's more entertainment right now. I think that sports is, there. there's tons of sports fans still, but I think that it's maybe, there's like a little bit of this like anti-sports movement. We are now more aware of the injuries that can result from sports. There's this sort of movement away from like a a tribal reaction to sports. I would say. Then again, like I know that you you know are very into your team, and I think people will always be very into their team. So sports is not going anywhere, but yeah, yeah not I, everyone I think that is as into maybe- sports.
1: People are actually. I, th- I, my, my theory, and I, re- I had read some stuff that said that actually, people are m- almost more, th- that are into teams and stuff, are even more into them in a tribal way because other tribal okay. identities that we have are kind of on the decline, right? Like, mm. let's say, let's say, let's say you're a white guy in America, right? Tee this one up. Oh.
2: Uh, I can't wait <laughs> no. to see where this is going. Oh, boy. No, I'm just saying,
1: like, previously, let's say this was 1960. You would be way into your Irishness or your Italianness yes. Or, like, mm-hmm. wh- white people used to, and this is also an East Coast thing where they're still into that over there but on the West Coast. Right. Unless you're Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, you're not really into your... I was uh, just going to say
2: my childish co-host is the last person who's so excited to be Irish. Right, and so people were tribally
1: into that stuff, and they're, mm-hmm. they're not so much anymore. And then also people were really into religion, and less people are religious now than previously. Right. And that's another kind of tribal thing. Um, so I, I think that then people supplant that, and sports is a great way for people to get out these kind of tribal desires mm-hmm. that they have. Um. So yeah. Also was, what uh,
2: podcast you listen to? People identify with what podcast they listen to and I think that's great if it's our podcast.
1: Right. And so you know I was thinking about this. So this this little girl threw a huge fit cuz she doesn't like football. And mm-hmm. that's fine. She's 3. What 3-year-old kid likes football? And every kid likes PJ masks. But uh, I was thinking that there is as was said in the beginning, there's people who kind of love sports, there's people who tolerate sports, and then people who are anti sports. And I was thinking to myself, like, people who are anti sports, I I think that's a personality defect. Hmm. Because Here there's it one comes.
2: Thing,
1: no, there's one thing to be like not interested in it, you know, you're not following the storyline or, or whatever. Then that that's fine. But I think that sports is a lot of it it's it's human achievement. Uh, mentally mm-hmm. physically and it's appreciating as far as how far can someone push their body how far can someone yeah. push their mind what you know how do how do people resolve issues how do people work with one another Challenges, how do, you know yeah. yeah there's so much stuff in sports that is really dramatic and fun and kind of central to the human condition and so in that in that way I think it's cool so just for people who like hate it I think it means that they're they're denying something that is in, an important part of just kind of who we are.
2: Well, it uh, for people who just it, <clears throat> it feels like a knee jerk reaction. I, I wonder how considered someone who's just like I hate sports. I'm anti-sports. How considered is that opinion? Is it just I'm going to stand outside of are they just being a hater? Yeah. You know, that's what it seems like to me. Or do they have they really Tried to get into, had tried to, you know, be entertained by a whole bunch of different sports and it just doesn't take for them. I doubt right.
1: it. And I think that there's a certain thing where people think sports is anti intellectual on some level. And right. They, therefore, they are, by saying, oh, what's going on with the sports ball? Then they are, <laughs> uh, that they're, they're just so cultured and intelligent. Just so
2: erudite and refined. Yes. um, I will say, as someone who, has tried a number of times to understand football. It's been explained to me so many times. I have trouble understanding it. I'm not going to sit here and say sports is anti-intellectual. Get ready to feel a, feel gently insulted. I'm not going to stand here and say sports is anti-intellectual. But oftentimes, en masse, sports fans seem anti-intellectual. Would you disagree?
1: I think... Yes, I think that can come off. I think people can come off that way. I've yeah. been to some tailgates that didn't, you know, seem like it was uh, a book reading at the bitter end, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's also sports fans en masse enjoying that one thing, doing that thing versus looking at the entirety of the being, right? Right. Uh, of going, you know, th- like going to the sports. Going to the sports ball game is everybody's chance to be tribal and dumb, Mm -hmm. and it gets that out of your system so that you can go back and be a normal human being because we all have this tribal thing in us. We've all evolved to have it, and to me, it's a healthy expression of it going, oh, yes, I hope the Chargers and all their fans die this weekend, and then (laughs) going back and running into these people in public and being nice to them. You know,
2: I will say now that I am beginning to have more of an under and this is these sentences coming out of my mouth. Sound strange. I am aware of this. But now that I'm beginning to have more of an understanding of wrestling and to sort of be following wrestling a little bit again, I realize this is a strange direction for me to go in my life and as a podcaster and a mother of two. Um, But anyway, Now that I'm beginning to like understand that world a little bit, I feel like it's giving me more of an understanding of sports. And also I'm not even sure it's a sport, but as someone who has never really been able to follow sports or understand, I, I've tried so many times to understand sports and like it doesn't other than tennis, which I played, um, I don't like, I've, I don't really get it, um, But now that I'm, like, aware of some different wrestling personalities and, like, their different storylines and things and it's entertaining to me and it's no longer this monolithic thing, but I actually, they're all, like, individual people to me and that makes sense and it's this world that I have familiarity with, I can see how that is what a sports team is to you. And you get an affection for a team. Like that that is now making sense to me. Right? Well, that's what it is, right?
1: Wrestling is for morons. I uh, that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. No, you know it's funny. It's actually there are, there there are a lot of people that you wouldn't expect that are really into wrestling. I know. Like was was it Rick Rubin, I was listening to his podcast and Rick Rubin goes off on wrestling and even like current wrestling, like mm-hmm. loves it and is all about it and obsessed. And hmm. Billy Corgan from The Smashing Pumpkins owns a wrestling really? league. Oh wow. And if you would have told me in nineteen ninety four, when he was driving that ice cream truck, painting it, <laughs> that Billy Corgan, huge into wrestling, but yeah, loves wrestling. So You know, Hmm. it all it all goes down to, you know, can't can't judge.
2: I guess you can't
0: upworthy Upworthy Weekly. weekly.
1: Jimmy Fallon asked people to share their worst first dates and some were just laughably bad. So you know Jimmy Fallon does this bit where he does like hashtags and he has people respond to stuff and our audience the upward the audience loves loves these whenever we mm-hmm. do it and we highlight them and pick out the best ones and curate them and make them uh, readable and and as I was looking at this article the first thing that I was taken aback by was that Jimmy Fallon has a beard now Get out He does he Get has a out. beard
2: I wow. know. I'm, I'm
1: look. News to me He's too. Clean I was shaven
2: lo- in my mind too. I know.
1: Yeah, it just it it doesn't look. It's like when Ted Cruz got got the beard, and you're like, no, mm-hmm. it's
2: not right. Doesn't doesn't. That's not the Jimmy Fallon I know.
1: Yeah, or like when a little kid is playing a pirate, and people put mm-hmm. mascara on his face or whatever, so it looks like he has a beard.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Then, I'll have to go check it out.
1: I don't know. I, I'm just I just wanted to. Weigh to in. No, there was some kind of meeting at, M- at NBC where there's like 17 people, you know, and maybe some some guy that's like Joseph R. Upworthy. It's like I know how to mm-hmm. get the ratings up. People think this <laughs> Fallon 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 boy is a kid. Let's put a let's put a beard on him.
2: Mm-hmm. And then, do you think it's you know, Joseph R. NBC? Yeah, Joseph NBC. Is,
1: They're confusing you with the Kimmel guy. You put on a beard. <laughs>
2: Sounds right. Uh, Yeah. So let's see
1: here. So he asked his guest, you know, any funny or embarrassing first date story. And here are are three that I I quite liked. I do a drum roll, but I've already beaten that to death. Mm. Uh, A gal wrote, his jeans were so tight that he couldn't sit down. (laughs) He stood at the bar the whole time. That's amazing. Yeah. Another one. He loved cheese. Uh, I was subjected to a two-hour conversation slash lecture about cheese and why cottage cheese
2: is not cheese. Okay. The guy sounds boring and wrong. Yeah, I'd like to hear what the argument was, at least.
1: Let's see here. Another bad first date. Uh, Someone writes in and says, My cousin set up a first date for me with a family friend. During a break from dinner, Mr. Mann follows me into the ladies' room, comes up close and says in a low voice, "I shave my butt." <laughs> no!
2: That's can't, not
1: real. Can't remember what I said in response, but the evening ended abruptly.
2: That is not real. That, oh, but that's, like, worth it for the story. That's so good. Oh, oh it's gosh. totally real. It's totally real.
1: You know, Did I he know say it's I real. Sh-
2: Did he, how do you know?
1: Oh, here's how I know it's real. Because men, okay. as we've talked about before, with this, this whole problem where guys are all about the, uh, like, sending junk shots or thinking yeah. things are a turn on to women that, that aren't.
2: <laughs> Clearly, yeah. That there's a... <laughs>
1: A lot of guys that will say things that are really dirty or really just, I don't know, visual or overly crass. sexual. Yeah. Yeah, crass. Thank you. That they'll say it to women thinking because the guy would appreciate that if the woman said something like, yeah, if you if you went up to this guy and said, I shaved my butt. And he'd be like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? And he thought she was going to say that because, you know... <laughs>
2: ick that's so gross okay so he's so he said i shaved my butt like for this first date or i I shave my butt like on ongoing basis
1: yeah i think it's on because i think once you start with the butt shaving (sighs) you're also gonna
2: (laughs) it's a commitment right yeah the upkeep oh my gosh yeah oh what a what a real misjudgment of what she's looking I mean but also just to be followed into the bathroom I mean ick all around yuck oh yeah Yeah. no no uh
1: let's see here I was thinking of a weird first date I had and it was actually it was my fault Mm. Uh, but I it almost went really weird but I I pulled it off I think uh and it wasn't me following the girl in the bathroom saying I shaved my butt Good, wasn't. <laughs> I texted her a photo of my butt. No, no, I was. But it was hairy. Uh, it, was, it was wild, <laughs>
2: hairy butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I was. I had a date with this gal at a, at a, like a dive bar that was by my house because I am classy, mm-hmm. and she was supposed to meet me at a certain time. And as I was sitting at the bar, I had a rumbling in my tummy. Oh no. And I was like not going to happen here cuz mm, this was not yeah. a suitable bar for that kind of thing. But I live pretty close. Okay. So, I jumped in my car and then w- w- went home and then she's texting mm-hmm. me, "Where are you sitting at the bar?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm over <laughs> in the corner table." <laughs> When she gets in so she can find me. And then I'm just like, okay, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Oh my gosh,
2: Todd, the stress of this.
1: And then I, whoosh, I drove my car back and I parked it. And then she came into the front door and I came into the back door. And then I like met her. (gasps) I'm like, oh
2: yeah, I'm sitting over here. Oh my gosh, it's like a French farce. Yeah. And it turned out okay?
1: Well, I mean, you know, until she cheated on me. But it was fine for about three, four months.
2: And she didn't know that you had just gone home and destroyed your toilet? (laughs) Yeah, blew it up. Was it nerves?
1: I think so. Yeah, that or just poor diet, you know. Mm. I have a friend that, uh, a female friend, and we went to a gay pride parade one, one day. And there was a lot of drinks to be had at the gay pride parade. So towards the end of us hanging out at the pride parade, she goes... Hey, Todd. And she's very drunk. She goes, I have a date. <laughs> and I said, Oh, you do? She goes, Yeah, <laughs> he's meeting me at the bar. So, and I was like, Okay. And she goes, Can you please be there? And I was like, Okay, because it's good. She's really intoxicated. You don't know who this guy yeah, is. So, right. She sat down, and then when the guy came over, I introduced myself. to let him know, hey, there's somebody here. And, mm-hmm. and then I went over, and I sat somewhere else as to not bother them. And then she fell off the bar stool. Oh, no. Like, fell on her back, just straight, whoop, boom. Yeah. He picked her up and everything. Oh, my God. Everything wound up fine, and they got married.
2: Look at that. Yeah. That's so sweet. What yeah. a great first date that was. I know.
1: So, you know, if here's the thing, if you want someone who's codependent, show up wicked drunk on the first date.
2: And then, you know. <laughs> that what a sweet story that is. Yeah. You ever have any terrible first dates? I my most famous terrible first date, but there was a second date that was more terrible. Um, when I was playing in the band, I, uh, and I was, this is also in my, you know, drinking days playing in the band. Uh, there was this guy who was a guitar. We were doing an all day, all day festival. There was this guy who was a guitar tech. We met, uh, we hit it off. We were like flirting all day. We hit it off. We decided to hang out after the show. Um, we, Uh, like went off-roading in this canyon which is something that is so unsafe that I would like never do if I had my wits about me. Longer story. I noticed he had some tattoos. I asked some questions about them. Um, The the answers were unsatisfactory and I just like filed it away and then the next time we hung out um, there were a lot of things that were Incongruent, like he had a confederate flag he had oh. skinhead music he showed me his gun collection um he ba- essentially lived in a bunker and basically he was a, a skinhead um yeah. and a survivalist before this was before nine eleven, um and I didn't I never saw him after that but it really stuck with me I was just like because I I grew up pretty sheltered and I, you know, I think if I had had more of an awareness, his tattoos were hate symbols. And if I had known what they were, then I would have instantly identified them. But instead, I was just like, what are the, you know, I didn't know, I, I kind of, I memorized them and then I, I like went on this deep dive online of just getting a real education in What all of them were, and I remember my bandmate—they were like worried about me because I basically like I just like locked myself. I was—I didn't live at my parents' house, um, but I was staying at their house because and watching their dog because they were traveling, and I was just like sitting at their computer in the dark, just like going to all these Nazi websites. Basically, there's a recipe you can get a recipe for a swastika cake that you can you know make on yeah there's all sorts of fun stuff um but I just remember my my bandmate Paula was like you have to stop this before it goes any (laughs) fewer I thought was funny (laughs) um but I like you know memorized all these different hate symbols and it was a real education in uh in like a lot of very dark stuff and it was very compelling and upsetting. And anyway, so yeah, that was like this very crazy, I mean, there's much, it's a much longer, like crazier story though, because I really was like, cause I did communicate with him more though. And he really like refused to be, he's like, you're just trying to put me in a box. And I'm like, yes, I'm trying to figure Like, what box do you go in? he's like, nah, you know, and it was, it was, so that was like a bad first and second date.
1: So did you, did you have the conversation like, I'm sorry, I can't date you because you're a Nazi? I
2: had, I had questions for him. Like, and he, he actually said, he's like, look, I'm about things that are light and I'm about things that are fun. And you're so sheltered. You're just trying to put me in a box. So why don't you think about things? And if when you, when you decide that you just want to have some fun, give me a call. And I was like, oh my God, he's sloughing me off. And then he called me one more time and left a message. And then I never called him back. And that was that.
0: It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com.
1: Allison Rosen. Yes. On a scale of one through five. One being completely awful and five being fantastic. Rate your week.
2: I'm going to give this week a four. This week, my, I mentioned last week that my children had hand, foot, and mouth disease, which was uh, tough for all parties involved, but they are both back in school this week, which is great. They're feeling better. It's nice to have them back in school because it was stressful having them miss school, and my shows were good, and uh, things seem to be uh, pretty, pretty good this week, so I'm going to give it a four.
1: Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Are you a better person than you were last week?
2: um mm, uh only like by a sliver and the sliver is because i am trying like i you know like i talked about before trying to you know work through some stuff with my husband nothing major but just you know trying to just figure out the uh, just being just being married is complicated and tough sometimes and these little just you know two sensitive people living together and raising kids together and just coming up against each other all the time and eh, 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 and trying to just make it easier so yeah i'm better because it'd be easy to just be like i'm gonna uh just climb into a cocoon and not not deal with you and but i am not doing that so hence i'm a kind of a saint very good saint saint allison Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you, Todd, on a scale of one, one being awful and five being amazing. How was your week?
1: I'm going to give it another one point five.
2: Oh, my gosh. That's awful.
1: Yeah, that's because as I talked about last week, not to beat a dead horse, but I had my house flooded yeah because i had a, a drip in my ac unit so i've had anti mold people in here ripping out mm. cabinetry i had half the flooring in my home removed my family has you know we've been living in like airbnbs and having to move from airbnb to airbnb every 3 days and i've had to lug the dogs every time and it's just ugh it's just our our life's kind of flipped turned upside down as the fresh prince would say <laughs> So, but there there was a glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. There was a glimmer of hope. I was in line at a, a Greek, like a Greek joint, like a, a Greek hamburger place, and I was ordering a Greek salad, and it was a long line. I was getting nourishment for the family, and as I was standing in line, there was like this gal, like a hippie kind of hippie gal. Mm. And we're, we're talking for a while, and she's telling me some great story about how she met David Bowie and. You know we're having a nice conversation, and then I turn it to me and I'm like, "Oh man, I'm just I'm, I'm going from Airbnb to Airbnb. My house is flooded, it's the worst." And then she stops me and she goes, "Good news for you." I said, "What?" She goes, "Well, we know why all of this is happening, right?" And I said, "Why?" And she said, "Because Mercury is in retrograde."
2: Oh, classic Mercury in retrograde situation." I didn't know. Mm-hmm, I didn't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So she goes, guess what? In two weeks, Mercury gets out of retrograde. Okay? Mm. And then things are going to turn your way. I said, oh, fantastic. She mm. goes, may I ask, what is your astrological sign? Uh huh. So I said, I'm an Aquarius. Oh. And then she goes... Habam. Oh, 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 no, Ugh. oh, no, oh, God, oh,
2: Ugh. gosh,
1: oh, God. And then, then she touched, like, my bicep mm. with one hand, kind of patted, mm. goes, mm. you just keep being your unique self. Okay? <laughs> that, I ah! love
2: I love that! What am I supposed to do with that? Wait! Was but when was she like grimacing over you being an Aquarius? Like this is not what not good news for you.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the retrograde (gasps) thing. The eleven other, you know, Sagittariuses and Capricorns and Gemini's and everything, and the Leos, they're they're all going to be okay once this Mercury issue stops. But not for you. Not, not for Aquarian. No, like just kind of like you got a road to hoe, buddy. But you know, the fact is, she wasn't even specific about it. Like I read it, and then on this date, it's gonna be fine. She was just like, "Hey, good luck, buddy." But with with not enough information, and yeah, so, so vague.
2: They,
1: what I'm saying is the to the listeners, these 1.5 weeks it could become a common thing.
2: This is the best. This is this just made. I'm gonna my my week is a 4.5. Having heard this, oh. I'm sorry, Todd. This is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever heard. You know that your pain brings me joy.
1: I know. you feed off is, it, actually.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: You're going to live three years longer after this.
2: Oh. this. I'm getting like a full body charge off of this. <laughs> I'm genuinely sorry that you're going yeah. through such oh, a tough yeah. time. It, I really am. But for some reason, like all my chakras are lighting up. Over the fact that she said, you keep being your unique self. Why does that bring me so much joy? It's so silly. I'm so sorry.
1: I love it. The condescension. The condescension in the woman's voice.
2: I just love it. I love it so much. It's making me so happy. (laughs) It's so silly. Are you a better person?
1: I guess. Whatever. doesn't (laughs) matter anymore. I'm... (laughs) Not much of a person. Thank you all for listening to Upworthy Weekly. <laughs> Subscribe whatever you get podcasts. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. I don't know about that hoodie. Still,
2: I know. I apologize Upworthy Weekly
1: for it. was produced by
0: Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen, and Todd at Todd A Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.